Welcome back, guys, to another incredible episode here at Terrible 20s. I have an extremely special guest this week, the one and only, Tiffany. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing today, Tiffany? I am good. I am good. I'm ready for the cooler weather, though. Oh, yeah, me too. It is getting ridiculous sweating when it's fall in Texas, but who yeah. knows? It'll come yeah. soon. It'll, It'll come, come soon. soon. It'll come soon. I was so nervous for today's episode because I knew you were going to dress cute. <laughs> and I usually wear, like, a cute top and pajamas. And I really tried putting together an outfit, but I still ended up in a cute top and pajama pants. You still look really cute. Good grief. <laughs> you, oh, my you. goodness. Well, if you guys didn't know... Tiffany is a professional personal stylist and interior designer. Is that correct? Interior decorator. Decorator. Okay, yeah. perfect, perfect. And she's here to help us learn the lessons of how to have our own voice and own sense of style in our life in our 20s and far beyond. Is yep. that about right? Yes. Yep. Cool. So I guess just to dive right in, can you tell us a little bit about your childhood, how you grew up, and some of just like your favorite memories? Yeah. So, um... I was born in San Diego, California. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of that. I love um, San Diego. And I usually say San Diego, not California, because I feel like San Diego is so different from mm -hmm. other cities in California. How so do you think? Um, it's laid back. It's a really okay. laid back culture. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like they are more down to earth in San Diego. Um, That's good to know. <laughs> Definitely good to know. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, San Diego, and I've heard a lot of other people say this too, it's a lot like Austin. Very oh. similar to Austin. Interesting. Um, just the vibe. Um, people are active. People are out and about. Um, you'll see all all styles in San or uh, in San Diego, <laughs> and um, it's not as um, I guess it's not as competitive maybe as like L A. Yeah. Like the typical you know, L A. Yes, culture. Yes. That yes. Yeah. Not doesn't have the best. So yeah, I have very <laughs> sweet memories of San Diego. Mm -hmm. My grandparents lived there. My mom was raised there. So, I mean, some of my most favorite memories are at my grandparents' house with yeah. them, spending time with them. Um, I mean, where we would, my family would drive there mm -hmm. um, at least once a year, and mm -hmm. we would be so excited to go. It was yeah. the best. That's so yeah. sweet. It sounds like yeah. your family was like super tiny knit. Um, oh, I yes. know you mentioned earlier you're actually from a pretty big yes. family. How how many kids were there so in the bunch? I am one of eight kids. Okay. Um, I'm number three, mm -hmm. um, and uh, there's six girls and then two boys. The boys are the youngest. Um, so it's it's crazy. It but we are all very close. Um, my parents are both introverts, which is very interesting for having okay. so many kids and being yeah. quiet. Um, I imagine the house was always like a ruckus. There was always wasn't. something going on. That's the crazy it part. Wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. It was quiet. Our house was quiet. We would have friends over and they would always be surprised at like how many people live in this house because mm -hmm. it would be so quiet because yeah. a lot of us kids are introverts. I mean, that's fair. So family of introverts, but a big yes. bunch. A big bunch. Yes, and we're all very close. We're very okay. loyal. Um, so, yeah, was born in San Diego. Uh, when I was three, we moved to Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad uh, is a ministry is in a ministry uh, missionary organization called the Navigators, and um, his part was ministering to the military. Mm -hmm. So that's why we went to Japan for seven years, uh, ministering to the Navy. 
Um, but because we weren't in the military, we had to live off base. Right. And so we lived in the Japanese culture, which was... You got was, fully immersed. Oh, yes. Which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Japan is an amazing country. Um, very quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect for our family. <laughs> Perfect for the introverts. <laughs> Perfect for introverts. Um, but we lived right across the street from a, a historical park. Mm-hmm. And that was our backyard. We would be in the park every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that also brought our family really close. Um, right. because, Traveling somewhere you don't yes, know. Yes. And being in the Japanese culture, we weren't around a lot of English-speaking mm-hmm. people. Um, and actually, my older sisters, two older sisters, um, learned to speak J- Japanese by playing with kids in the park. And that's um, very impressive. Yes. Oh, I know. Fluent in Japanese. Fluent. One of them was fluent and my mom would take her to doctor appointments as her interpreter. That's amazing. Just from learning from kids in the park. Yeah. So, I mean, it was very cool. We have wonderful memories in Japan. And would you say that at your time living in Japan, how were your values or personal sense of style or the way that you like handled yourself changed versus if you grew up in the U.S.? Because we we didn't even know what was in style. Mm-hmm. We basically developed our own style. Um, and we would actually get very excited. So being a missionary kid and being in a big family, um, people would give us clothes all the time. And so we, but we would get so excited when yeah. we would get bags of clothes. And it was like, it was like the ritual. We'd get all the bags of clothes. Mm-hmm. We'd lay them all out. My mom and all of us girls would sit around in a circle. My mom would pull out piece by piece, and we'd all fight. That that fits me. That fits me. I want that. I want that. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so exciting. It was so – I mean, we loved it. Those are some of our favorite memories yeah. was, like, getting these clothes and going through all of them. And then um, <clears throat> my mom would frequent um, – thrift stores or mm-hmm. secondhand stores and there was one on the navy base there um called the white elephant that she would frequent a lot i love that name yeah i know that's it was awesome. it was fun so we'd go with her and do that um that's funny that you mentioned like the ceremony of getting all the thrifted clothes from your friends or like people that didn't want it anymore because i have like a very similar experience when i grew up like my mom she was an immigrant she was a babysitter y'all have heard her story on this show we didn't have a whole lot, but she would also just get yeah. clothes from anybody and anyone. Yes. Like, we were young girls. Like, yeah. we wanted to look cute. We wanted yes. to be what we thought was in style. Oh, yeah, and yes. We didn't care if it was secondhand. We were no, like, oh, my God, to absolutely me, this is not. the yeah. newest of new. Like, oh, this yeah. This is so fancy. This is so cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and if so we good. got something that had the tag on it still, that was oh, like. Oh, my God. It was, was Christmas like, all over oh, again. Oh, yeah. That was like, <laughs> you won the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> a brand new pizza clothing. <laughs> But it's so funny how we view this in, like, such a positive light, where I know sometimes in other circumstances, like, it can be viewed as something embarrassing, which is hard for kids, because there is a lot of pressure to have, like, the newest of new when you're going to school and being surrounded by other kids that might have those resources, too. Oh, yeah. Nowadays, it makes me sad, Um, especially, like, girls in middle school and Mm -hmm. high school. It, they're they're keeping up with each other. Yeah. And if you even in wearing something that is a knockoff, mm-hmm. you're shamed or you're made fun of because okay. you're not wearing the actual golden goose sneaker that who I can't even afford that. So it's sad that that's gotten lost because now 
you get made fun of sometimes during stuff like that. And you get lost. It's like, who are you even trying to keep up with at the end of the day? Literally yourself. Just keeping up with yourself. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) What was your favorite memorable fashion moment, though, at the White Elephant through Star Japan? Because I bet there were so many unique and good finds. And and to find something there that my mom would buy for us, Mm -hmm. that was a big deal because she wouldn't just buy something out of the blue she was picky yes okay and she and it had to be for a reason like she wasn't buying it just because we liked it it was like do you need it are you how where how where are you going to wear it to how are you going to wear it just asking all the questions yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I had gone with her one time and looking through the racks and I find this glorious red v-neck romper jumpsuit it was long sleeve I mean I remember it so vividly to this day and it was kind of like a stretchy knit material it wasn't tight I loved it and I wanted it so bad and I begged my mom to get it for me and she finally did and I loved it because it was different than anything I'd seen right I mean we weren't wearing a lot of jumpsuits Mm -hmm. we were wearing a lot of jumpers and I Wait, what's the difference between jumpsuit and jumper? Okay, so a jumper, at least my version of a jumper, uh-huh. is um, like the dress version. Okay. Where it's like pretty shapeless, straight down God, with straps. And, and usually it was denim. So like overalls, basically? Kind of, but it would dress. Okay, interesting. Okay. Yes. And I mean, we have a family picture of us all wearing one mm-hmm. together. That hideous. You'll have to I link that, that for the show notes. I hated that <laughs> picture. I hated that picture because I hated wearing that. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought this jumpsuit was like the thing. Mm-hmm. And um, got it home. I think I maybe wore it two times. Because it was so special to you? It was special and I was so proud of it. It was so different. Yeah. I definitely got comments made by my siblings. Yeah. And I don't, I don't look at it as like a bad memory of being hurt. I think it was, pro- that was just the first time where, that I remember where I wanted to be unique and stand out. Mm-hmm. And so my, my memories of that are just sweet memories because that was the first moment that I know is when I wanted to stand out in the way I dressed yeah. and in my style. And can you dive in a little bit deeper into that? You said like your siblings made comments. Can you just like clarify for the listeners? And only love here because we love our families. Oh, yeah, but... yeah. I mean, this is this was siblings. We're, we're kids. Yeah. They're laughing or, you know, making fun of it mm-hmm. because it was a jumpsuit. I mean, it, we didn't have a lot of those. And this was, gosh, 80, in the 80s, early 90s. And in Japan, because we were kind of isolated there, we didn't know what was in style. So that yeah. probably could have been very much in style in the U.S. Very true. I'm pretty sure that was during the 80s. Like, Probably. Pops I of know. color. Everyone was wearing crazy I know. colors. And, but, I mean, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I just loved it. I had gravitated towards it. I think because it was unusual and different than what we had ever worn, it, that's why it was kind of a, made it as a joke. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And siblings will always be siblings. Oh, like, they yes. They will always find yes. a way to get under your skin, but... Did you, at that age, internalize those comments? Because it seems like it's something you remember until today. Or did you just brush it off? You're like, this isn't going to No, I definitely internalized it. It definitely brought out a little bit of an insecurity. Mm-hmm. Maybe I didn't want to be noticed in that way. Right. And, and 
more just because I didn't I didn't want my siblings to laugh at me or I, I wanted to please them. I wanted with so many when you're when you're one of eight kids, there's a lot of measuring up sometimes and you want to be you want them to be proud of you and you want them to see you as you are. So no, that's very true. Yeah. I'm one of two and I'm always in a constant competition with my brother so I can't imagine having like a, a sister too and also being yeah. in competition yeah oh my gosh I think it's so funny how we all have those little memories that might have been just like a passing comment or what it seemed like in the moment oh yeah but it sticks with you for life oh yeah and like my example of this I was in kindergarten so this is going way back but it literally has stuck with me until this day yeah I had this dream of wanting to be a rock star and I wasn't too much of a fashionista yeah but I told my mom I was like I cannot go to school until you dress me up like an actual rock star like what I saw <laughs> Avril Lavigne looked like I was like I need to look like her in her music video so she made my hair all crazy crazy messy like fluffy I got got the baggiest jeans I could and the tightest top and I wore it to school and my teacher when I walk in she starts fixing my hair she's like Ruth get your hair out of your face like you look insane right now and I was crushed I thought as a little kid I'm never gonna be a rock star no one's gonna love my style and I was so embarrassed until this day Tiffany yeah it definitely um yeah it totally affects you and I and I don't I, like, I don't have anything held against my siblings for it, right. not anything like that, but it does hit you in a place where it's your self-confidence, it's your mm-hmm. insecurities that just come out, ugly insecurities that come out in all different ways, whatever that looks like, and so that definitely played a part growing up and in high school, and I would say it wasn't until college that that kind of changed for me, where I, where I... In college, I definitely would dress to stand out. And to this day, I have, you know, friends from college who would say, oh, my goodness, like, everyone always looked to see what you were wearing walking into the classroom or whatever. And I and back then, I wasn't thinking that. I was yeah. just thinking, like, I like it, and I'm going to wear it. You need to <laughs> teach me your ways. <laughs> we're going to have to trade something and help me with my fashion. <laughs> But let's move on to college now that we're on that yeah. topic. Can you set the scene for us for 20-year-old Tiffany? So are you still in Japan? Are you back in the U.S.? So what are you up to? we moved back to the U.S. when I was 10. We definitely were in culture shock. Mm-hmm. You're isolated and then coming back into it, the U.S. where you've been away for seven years. So you have no clue what's happened in those seven right. years. I mean, we didn't know what music people were listening to. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times my brother-in-laws especially are like, they'll bring up a song or something and like, you know, and then they look, look at all of me and all my sisters and they're like, oh, that's when you're in Japan, wasn't it? And we're like, I oh guess so. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely culture shock coming back. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, plays into the insecurities I was already feeling with right. being one of eight kids. And, and one of eight kids, you don't always have a voice. I, I have vivid memories of trying to speak up. We're all excited telling maybe our parents something or sharing a story with grandparents or something. But all of us are talking at one time. And I remember so many moments where I couldn't get it out in time. Mm-hmm. And the moments passed. And then... You know, you're like, oh, well, you're like, what do I do now? <laughs> no, I completely feel so that. So go getting into college mm-hmm. and being away from family and there I, you know, was 
by myself and you you start that's where you start creating your own identity in a way mm-hmm. um, or, or figuring out who you are that's the start of your journey of figuring out who you are because you're on your own um, away from family mm-hmm. I, for me there was a lot of trying to find it figure out who you are as an individual out of eight kids is very hard because a lot of a lot of my identity was found in my family as one of as being Mm -hmm. one of eight kids and so then to be in college where wow okay all of a sudden I'm on my own who am I and what am I doing yeah so and how did you start figuring out that process because that can be really daunting for a lot of people and that's one of the reasons I started this show to focus so heavily on like life in your 20s because I think it's such a pivotal moment in your life like there's so many changing happens at once you're feeling so overwhelmed but yeah. let's just start at that like did you feel overwhelmed and how did you deal with oh all yeah those feelings? yes very overwhelming and in fact I hit a, a low in college I was clinically depressed mm-hmm. and um, actually that's when I first saw a counselor for the first time in my life and um, and kind of opened that door for the rest of my family, really. And I was the first one in my family to go get counseling for mm-hmm. depression. So college years were tough, but I, I look back at them also with gratitude because yeah. um, that was a pivotal moment for me, figuring out who I was. And I just yeah. want to go back a little bit. I know you said you were the first in your family to seek counseling and I know that can be tough for people that might not have seen like their parents go to it how did you even figure out to speak to a counselor because people just don't know how to reach out sometimes that was hard Mm -hmm. um especially with my family my parents never having gotten me counseling my family's pretty um religious and so counseling like to talk to a counselor was like what? Well, why do you need to do that? We just need to pray about it. Yeah. And I don't disagree with that at all. Like Mm -hmm. you absolutely do need to pray and have that relationship with God to talk about and talk through those hard things. But there's also clinically depressed people Mm -hmm. and you need, God also created people who are counselors to help you work through issues. Mm -hmm. And, and so actually me, being the first one to go to counseling and it, and it was a school counselor at my college that brought a lot of healing for my family and realizing, wow, okay, this is something that is good. And, and now, I mean, majority of my family is getting counseling. Yes, we love it. (laughs) We love a good counselor. Oh yeah. I have the same thing almost because I grew up in a very, I guess, you could call it like conservative family where mm-hmm. they just weren't as open about their feelings, I guess, as other yeah. families were. And when I started hearing other people talk about their feelings ever, even talk about counselors, like it made me almost have a panic attack. I was like, is this normal? Am I supposed to be doing this? Yeah. Because I don't ever talk about my feelings when I was a right, kid. Right, right. And then the first time I went, I felt so awkward. Like I felt yeah. out of place, scared, like I wanted oh, yeah. to throw up. Yep. And I don't know if you experienced this either, but maybe like being one of eight, like you're right, it was hard to get your voice out. And for me, I was part of sports. So you were always taught to do what you were supposed to in sports. And everything was all yeah. about like the physical aspect, like yeah. how far you can run, how good you can train. And the first time I had to do public speaking, it literally felt like my throat was going to close, close in speech yep. class because I was like, yep. I've been running track. I've been doing dance. I can do that perfect. But no yeah. one's ever asked me to 
voice my opinion yeah. or speak yes. before. Yeah. So it was completely different. I'm yeah. not sure if you experienced anything oh, similar. Yes. Uh, totally similar. I, I avoided speech class in college for almost, I, it was my first year. I was, mm-hmm. I mean, majority of the freshmen would take it. We had to take it. Like one of the prereq yes. requirements. Yes, so all freshmen <laughs> are taking it. By the time I took it, I was the oldest person in the class because mm-hmm. I was too chicken to go. <laughs> But I mean, that was good for me. Like I really back. I look back at that. I'm like, wow, I needed that. Like Mm -hmm. it was so good for me. It was hard. And of course, you know, like my voice is shaky every time I'd get up there or whatever, but, and feeling nauseous and sick. The worst feeling in the world. But it was, I found that similar thing happening when I first started counseling because all of a sudden I'm being heard. And it was hard for me to, like, really, like, share because I just was like, I don't even really know what to share. And even to this day, I mean, I'm, I have a therapist to this day. And even with her, there's moments I'm like, I don't even know what to share. And I still sometimes yeah. get nervous because it, it's you're, that's where you're being most vulnerable, mm-hmm. sharing. No, but it's so healing and beneficial to have to be heard, mm-hmm. but to have someone that you can voice things to that um, can in, give you input and and help you kind of navigate life. Yeah, because it's scary. Life yes. is scary, guys, life to be honest. Scary. And you shouldn't it's have terrifying. to go through it alone. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're innately our own critics, too, when it comes oh, to finding sure, yes. your own voice. Yeah. Like, the more you go through life, you're going to realize you're your own judge and people could probably care less, like, what you're doing or what you're saying, they're not actually paying attention to you. Like you're right. going to be paying the most attention to yourself. Yep. So might as well not be stressed and be authentically yes. who you are and just live your life. Oh, yes. That was definitely something I, I figured out early on was being genuine mm-hmm. and being who you are. And <clears throat> so that kind of carried uh, once I finished college and going into the real world, real life as an adult and starting a career being genuine and honest was what I knew I wanted to be in the workplace and in life. That has been probably the greatest benefit. That's that's so important. That's so beautiful. Before we hop too quick on, because I have so many questions in so little time. Back to your college days. I know you decided to pursue a education in traditional arts. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. But you kind of pivoted towards the end of your senior year. I know you had this big showcase where you were going to present different collections, and you put a twist on this that yeah. I don't think a lot of people are going to expect. Can you yeah. tell us, like, what happened? Yeah, so um, my degree is in uh, studio art. Studio art, sorry. Um, which is is painting, charcoal, pottery, mm. all of that. Like, I did all of that in college. My my passion is painting. I enjoy I That's what I love the most, and that's what I did a lot of. My senior show, we had to do a senior show for college or, and show, like, basically show all your works. Or you, you had a theme and you showed all your works. My theme was style, fashion. So I had huge um, painting, acrylic paintings, collage of dresses. Mm-hmm. And then I actually decided, I, you know what I want to do for my show is make some clothes. And so I, I, and I did it out of, um, scarves. Mm -hmm. I made different styles of tops out of silk scarves. Yeah. 
Um, all through college, I worked at American Eagle Outfitters. Woohoo! We love it. Um, <laughs> I literally just went shopping there like two days ago. It, it's still cute. I think I I it was actually a fun job. I loved it, and I was in charge of dressing all of our mannequins, mm-hmm. and so I had a blast doing that. But I went and borrowed art, some mannequins that I yeah. could put in my show and had my, my tops that I made on there. That shocked people. I don't think anyone was expecting me to have wearable art. Did anyone else come with wearable art to the showcase? No. No? No. no. Do you remember any of the reactions that people gave you when they saw like, um, your display set I mean, up? everyone was super proud. Mm-hmm. And I think to this day, like people will tell me, oh... It doesn't surprise me at all that you did this. You are amazing. And I'm to this day, I get floored because in my mind, I'm like, yeah, it was just scarves. Yeah. <laughs> but I bet it looked beautiful. I have no doubt that it looked like an amazing piece. You could see the Met or something. Yeah, but it was fun. That was a fun little twist. And after graduating college, mm-hmm. I looked into fashion design school, applied to um, the Art Institute for Fashion Design in Seattle. And was accepted. And as soon as I had gotten the acceptance letter, I just, I could feel it in my gut. I wasn't supposed to do it. Okay. Did you end up going or did you make that decision? No, I didn't go. I made it. Okay. Like, even even after, like, the initial interview or in applying, I kind of was just questioning it. I kind of was feeling like, is this what I should do? But as soon as I was accepted, I just knew, I knew in my gut. Not supposed to do it. Wasn't where you're meant to be. No. Can you dive in deeper to that? Because I know that we talk about this a lot on this podcast, like the feelings, because I feel like you actually get a physical feeling of oh, yeah. your yes yeah. and your no. Do you have agree. that like sensation oh, yes. in your body? Oh, yeah. What would you say is like your yes feeling versus your no feeling? Um, yes feeling, it's definitely a feeling of peace and mm-hmm. a calm. Okay. And, and you just, you feel sure of yourself. You, you just know can't even describe it but a no I I for me I feel physically sick I I feel it in my gut I feel nauseous I just feel off I physically feel it in my gut and like okay yeah no can't do that no everyone's is different so this like always like fascinates me I know and I feel like the no is such a bigger tell sign than the yes like the yes is just easy going like sometimes I feel like you can miss a yes exactly because you're kind of like on the fence you're like you're like this is too easy right now but I kind of have to remind myself well I know what a no feels like yeah no that's (laughs) very true that's a good rule of thumb guys yeah you don't know what it is it might be a yes and if you feel sick it's a no it's a no but everyone's is different. Always keep that in mind. Yeah. So moving on from fashion design, we decided not to go there. Yeah. What do you decide to pursue next in your career? So I, college were some hard years. And I actually, I graduated in five years because mm-hmm. I, I just took my time. I had, I mean, I was clinically depressed. Um, so working through that. But I, I think I was definitely saved by my art. Mm-hmm. Art was therapeutic for me, and that is what I was good at. So that said, I'm kind of going off track. It's okay to graduate in five years. No, that's you don't have to be on this four-year thing because everyone else is doing it. If you have stuff going on and you need to take your time, take your time. Like, it's not the end of the world to graduate in five years. Right. And I felt no shame in graduating outside of my class Mm -hmm. 
and I, uh, my, all my family will tell you to this day that I had the biggest smile on my face getting out of there. I was so done. Aww. I was ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect time. But then. then, but then I was like, what do I do now? Yeah. That's the scariest part. No, and I completely agree. And I yeah. feel like that all relates to like knowing your true path in life, like yeah. finding your voice, <laughs> not being ashamed. Like yeah. you knew in that moment five years yeah. was okay. So yeah. you were not judging yourself. You were no. going with the flow, doing your art, doing your classes mm-hmm. and that was the perfect time on yeah. you. So yeah, because of the college years and having a hard time and not knowing what I was going to do, mm-hmm. um, I moved back home, um, lived at home for a couple years, which was actually very healing for me. That was, uh, my dad and I kind of had a, a hard relationship from college and um, it, it wasn't healed in the next two years living at home by any means. But it was the start of healing for me. Yeah. Whether And in that moment, looking back, I didn't know that that was a start of a healing. Mm-hmm. But it was a start. And so living at home, I just looked for jobs in good old Colleen near Fort Hood Army Base. <laughs> <laughs> Love Colleen. C- Colleen. Colleen's not that bad. <laughs> I feel like back in the day, Colleen was a little bit more country bunchery than oh, it is now. Sure. But like... Stereotypically, Colleen, it, you think country bunchy. It is definitely an army town. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. My family's there, so I love it. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> when I live there, probably not. <laughs> we'll stick to Austin, for sure. But but what did you end up finding in so, Colleen? So, I, believe it or not, I worked at a car dealership. Didn't go to school for that, but I, I my older sister had worked there and um, had a good relationship with... Um, head of HR. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's where I started. I started as, as a receptionist at the front desk and then quickly moved, um, working with him directly for him as HR assistant, which no, good. HR in a car dealership in upset. No comment. <laughs> Terrifying. Oh gosh. <laughs> I can't even imagine. But while you were going to this job, did you still keep up with your fashion? Cause people in car dealerships, oh, yes. they dress very nice because they have to for the sales job. Yeah. I, I I was excited about it because I thought I'm at a job where I can actually dress nice and dress cool. So I definitely started wanted to be fashionable and wanted to look good. But our background getting hand-me-downs all your life, thrift thrift store finds. We my sisters now, we know where to find a good deal. Mm-hmm. We budget shop. I personally like quality, so I look for quality and at a good price. So I would frequent Gap a a lot, Mm -hmm. um, but I was always looking for unique pieces that the one thing that no one else was really buying. And so a lot of the stuff that I will go, my go-to is the the rack that's full because no one's buying it. Ah, interesting. That's a good strategy for shopping. Okay, I'll take it. Oh, that's awesome. I know now, especially that's so different. Everyone feels like they have to have that like basics. And I mean, I'm wearing like a very basic top, just like five shirts, all the same style, all the same color. This is the polar opposite, your strategy for shopping. No, but, and that's okay. A lot of people, they like something, they like the way it fits. They'll buy it in every color. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad thing, but you can do things to change that up and change that look. Anyways, that's... So people were still excited every single day when you walked in because they knew it was going to be like exciting, fun well, fit. Car dealership. That's kind of, it's hard to know like why they were excited when you walked in. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you had to go through that. 
it's horrible. But... If you don't work at car dealerships, be nice to everyone. Oh, yeah. And that, when I worked there, was definitely before women were respected. There was a lot of sexual harassment that was overlooked and ignored, swept under the rug. And thankfully, it's not like that. And companies are wanting to, I mean, companies draw a line now. Yeah. But then majority of that dealership would have been fired in this day. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Yeah. And so, how did you deal, though, with standing up to... I'm sure there was comments said. I'm not sure if they were to your face or behind your back, but, like, that oh, totally yes. affects, like, who you are and, like, how you're feeling. Oh, yeah. I, I left there definitely with... And didn't realize it in the moment, but definitely left there feeling a little bit um, degraded as a woman. Mm-hmm because of it was sexual comments made to right. you about your about what you're wearing mm-hmm. or you know sure they're gentlemen opening the door but then as you walk by they make a comment I just opened it because I wanted to follow you oh, so geez. it's you know you leave I left there feeling kind of yuck yeah. and not respected but my boss he he was the only one that really protected me and looked out for me and I felt very safe with him. So I definitely have, like, I, I learned a lot of good things through him and through his leadership and through him as being my boss. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a hard experience, but it was yeah. good. There were good things about it. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm still so sorry you had to even go through any of that. <laughs> Actually, funny story. After we had our first, like, pre-podcast conversation, you told me about that. My boyfriend works at a car dealership, and I went to him, and I was like, if you are ever being rude to a girl, or if I ever hear anything about someone else being rude and you don't stand up for them, I was like, I'm going to get so pissed off at you. Tell me how to go through this, and no one else should ever have to go through this ever. It's he can true. vouch for me in that. Oh, oh, sweet. I mean, now even when I go to take my car in to get maintenance, yeah. I sit in the lobby and I know exactly what everyone is like. I know what they're doing. I know their roles. I'm like, oh, oh. You're like, I'm glad I'm out of there. I'm glad I'm not Go in on. the car dealership business. Okay, so what was next after dealership? So life? after that, I uh, my one of my younger sisters. She and I were like, okay, I think it's time to just leave the leave the nest. Mm-hmm. And we both decided, let's go live in Austin. Let's Yay. go get a plan, get jobs. She was actually going to cosmetology school, mm-hmm. and she got a job at a hair salon in um, Austin. Was commuting, and then she and I decided, let's get an apartment. I'll find a job there, mm-hmm. and let's do Austin together. Which was a lot of fun. Like, she and I became very close living together. I found a job at an oil and gas company. Which okay. Is way. <laughs> I love how all of these are so different from, like, yeah. art, your art degree. Nothing to do with art. <laughs> Nothing to do with styling. Yeah, you're, like, the most creative person, and you picked car dealership and oil and gas. In a big way, it was, I needed the job. Right. And I needed something that that was a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started there. I actually had to like tell them, no, I want this job. They weren't going to call me because I was overqualified because I had worked with HR, but I was applying for their front desk. Right. <laughs> but, um, you convinced them. I convinced them. Okay. It was, it was a small family owned oil and gas company <clears throat> and they were truly a family. And I sitting at the front desk, 
I, our main conference room was right next to me. I, I could hear everything they're saying. I learned so much, everything about the oil and gas industry sitting at the front desk. I was the face of the company for vendors. Mm -hmm. I created great relationships with vendors. Um, and oil and gas, it, women are minority. It is a man's world, especially when I started there. It, yeah. That was 2007, so it was still kind of the old school oil and gas. Um, and and some of the vendors were definitely, you know, they made comments, whatever. But but really, truly, those oil and gas are gentlemen. Mm -hmm. They're true gentlemen, especially the the old country boys. True gentlemen. And so, so no harassment. Like no. And that was, in a way, that was healing for me because yeah. I was treated as a lady and I was respected mm -hmm. and I was looked after. And it being a family feel, you felt protected. <clears throat> so I was really close with a lot of people, especially in our operations department. Got pulled back into that department after a couple years. Within a few years back there, I then was supervisor of our production team. And that's where I stayed and was I was in that job in the industry for 14 years. So you like flourished as a leader here at the oil and gas company. I guess I did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Would you say like that's how you found like your voice more so as a leader? Because in your other jobs, like you were working as a receptionist or working yeah. in like the apparel department. And yeah. here you were like managing other people. You have oh, yeah. big responsibilities and not just like oh, a yes. tiny company, like a big oil and gas yes. company. So yeah, after a while that that the oil and gas company I started with was sold and bought or bought by a corporate Norwegian mm -hmm. um, oil and gas company. And so very quickly it became corporate. And then the structure of like leadership and employees and peers, all of that was very different within corporate. And you are a number. I found right. you became a number very quickly. For my team, I had to be the voice and um, speak up for them. But within a corporate company, there are so many layers of oh God, yeah. leaders and management. I know many times I hurt a lot of my direct reports, and I, I know a lot of them felt like I wasn't their voice mm -hmm. because they couldn't see and they didn't hear me speaking up. And, and so that became a very lonely place for me as a leader because right. <clears throat> here I had a team that was looking to me and was feeling disappointed and like I wasn't, didn't have their back. Mm -hmm. But indeed, on the flip side, I'm speaking to all these layers of leadership and management and they didn't see that and yeah. they didn't know what I was going through for them. And so that was really hard. It was a very lonely place to be. It just sounds so frustrating. <laughs> and I, I also worked at a very like corporate job, I guess you consider my first like big girl job during university. Yeah. And it was the same thing. Like I never expected that you had to talk to so many people to actually get to the manager of your department. And it was yeah. almost like you're just talking to the wind, like yeah. your requests wouldn't be heard. And it was just exhausting. And sometimes you end up thinking to yourself, like, does it even matter? Like, should I even be right. trying to advocate for my team? Like, or should I just be 
focusing on doing what they're telling you? Like, what do yeah. I do? Yeah. Like, it's a confusing scenario to It is manage. very confusing. And it's defeating sometimes because even your manager, they're at a loss. They right. can only do so much and go so far. Mm-hmm. So then you feel defeated. And then you have to go back to your team, try not to show your defeat and trying to be positive, but yet knowing I don't have an answer or we're kind of still on the limb here. Mm -hmm. It it was very hard, but so many points of growth. I mean, I became a supervisor of a team in my twenties. So I knew that was a huge testament to my character and to me um, that my, my bosses, boss saw and man and man upper management um so I definitely took that as a huge compliment um and that a lot of that it is and a lot of that was what really um kind of kept me going was knowing my boss had belief in me and so I knew okay that that's what counts and as hard as that is to say because it is your team does count but you need the support of your boss and let alone you killed it in an industry that you didn't study you weren't planning to go in but you still were able i i guess i fooled him (laughs) not at all no not you worked your butt off i did work my butt off but then it gets more interesting we're not even at the end of the story i know your career takes another twist and turn in your life gets even more exciting than it already is so tell us what happens when covid hits (laughs) so covid hit the company was decided to close the Austin office. Our, the main office was in Houston. They came to me, kind of giving me the ultimatum of move with the company or take a package. And I just, I, at that point, I um, was struggling so much with the company. I was tired. I was disappointed in a lot of things about the leadership and where it was going. And I, I was done. So to, to hear that I could have a package, that was my answer. That was that good feeling of like, it was a huge relief. It was like, oh, thank God I'm done. (laughs) You're like, yes, please. And goodbye. Oh yeah. I was like, do I have to still work two weeks? (laughs) Did you still work two weeks? Oh yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And I, and I The only reason, honestly, why I stayed as long as I did was for my team, was for the people that I worked directly with because I cared so much about them and I did not want to leave them in a bad place. Mm -hmm. And, um, And being in that for 14 years, I had gotten comfortable it, it was a good paying job. It was, um, you knew your role, you felt safe in your role. Um, <clears throat> and you just kind of fall into like this comfortable rut, really. Yeah. Even if you're not happy, you're just like, well, I, I shouldn't complain because I'm getting a huge paycheck mm-hmm. and um, I'm, I'm lead a team. So I, it was very hard to, to for me to like, think about anything else so to be given a package and that be my answer I was like oh good I didn't have to make this decision (laughs) it's like the biggest sign the universe could ever possibly like hand you on the silver platter thank you (laughs) what did you decide to do after you get this this package so all the freedom in the world oh I know and and all through working there I um I played with styling Mm -hmm. with with my outfits 
I made it a personal goal. I and I didn't tell a lot of people this, but it was a personal goal to never wear the same outfit twice. Of course, if it's a dress, you're wearing the same thing, whatever. But I would change it up with accessories or or shoes or whatever. But I that was kind of the fun for me was planning out what I was going to wear the next day and getting dressed. Mm-hmm. And there were definitely days when I'd go in and someone would make a comment and it wasn't a compliment but it was a comment and it and it took me a it it didn't take me long to learn this that they're making a comment because they're uncomfortable with it and probably jealous (laughs) that they don't have good style let's be honest and it was usually a guy yeah because it's like oh wow that's really bright thank you I mean what are you supposed to say and and I, I finally, I wouldn't say anything anymore. And I would just smile or, you know, whatever. But it definitely, it, it, I realized and had to learn for myself that, that they're uncomfortable with it or it, it was out of the ordinary for them and not, mm-hmm. and not mainstream. And to me, that told me, well, then I'm standing out. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. You're like mission accomplished. Yes. Working at that job, I I wanted to stand out in what I wore. I am not a big um, talker. I don't like to get in front of people. I am more of a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I like real, genuine conversation. Right. I don't like surfacy talk. Me neither. Honestly, that stresses me out. I start me like sweating too. when I have to make like, small talk. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can we skip this part, please? So I, um, I knew like not being a big talker, didn't want to get in front of people. I then wanted to stand out in how I looked Mm -hmm. in, in what I wore in my clothes. And I could do that in my clothes and how I, how I presented myself appearance wise all through, all through my career, I would take pictures of my outfits or, um, I love shoes. I have a whole closet. This is a oh, confession. That's amazing. Um, I'll have to see that one day. <laughs> <laughs> and I started taking pictures of my shoes on like the yellow parking stripe in the parking garage. People who followed me would always like, you didn't post your shoes today. Why didn't you post your shoes? And I was like, oh, I forgot. Or, you know, oh like gosh, people would start awesome. noticing like, you didn't, you didn't post your outfit today. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I, and I've always helped my sisters. I've always helped friends. Mm-hmm. Um, girlfriends and wives at the office would ask me, what are you wearing to that party? I, what's the dress code? And they would come to me for it. And I was, I would always be like, Oh, okay. Um, and so stopping getting that package and stopping work first, I didn't realize how burnt out I was. Mm -hmm. And I completely crashed mentally for almost a year, just mentally tired um, and just feeling the effects of how stressed I'd been for so long yeah. and didn't realize what that had done to me physically. Um, and so, but it also gave me the chance to really, to really sit with myself mm-hmm. and think and like ask myself, what do you want to do? Like, yeah. what do you, what do you want to do that's going to make you happy and that you feel good about doing. And I enjoyed what I did in oil and gas, but I never actually felt like I was good at it. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, 
obviously I was doing something right if I was leading a team, but I never felt like I, I never felt like I was on the same level as other people who had gone to school for it or, you know, I felt like I was lacking in a lot of knowledge around it. And so kind of thinking through like, okay, well, I love styling. I can never do that. Why, how could I make a living styling people? But I kept feeling that urge more and more, like, yeah. again, in my gut. Like, like the voice in the back yes, of your head, like, yes, you can do this. You, you can, can do this. this. Um, this is something that is doable, and it's what you love. And so um, 2022, uh, April of 2022, I launched my own business. Yay! Um, I love as, this part of the story. As a personal stylist. And I am still growing that. Mm-hmm. Am I making a living off of it? Yet? No. But I say yet. I'm growing it, and I will get there. It's new. It's new. Yeah. It's still a baby. It's only just over a year old, so it's still a baby. I, I have to remind myself of that. Um, but for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm doing something I know and I'm confident in mm-hmm. and I know I'm good at. And that I love so much. And it brings me so much joy when I get to help someone or um, have put an outfit together. I love, I just, I love the whole process of all of it. Yeah. And it's so gratifying for me to do something that I'm loving. I can, for people that aren't watching this video, Tiffany, you're literally like smiling from cheek to cheek, just <laughs> describing like the dream job that you've built for yourself, which is making me like so happy right now. How can you describe to other people though, that might not have found like that dream job for them? Like, let's say, can you describe for us that feeling of not being in the right place again? And then the feeling of when you're doing your dream job, it being so easy and you just feeling so happy and bright. Um, a huge help for me in getting to where I am is, Mm -hmm. is therapy. Mm -hmm. I think we all need a counselor that we can talk to. And whether it's it's a licensed counselor or um, there's so many great life coaches out there now, there really too. Are, yeah. And and life a life coach will help you navigate specifically like a direction for you to take in in job focus or mm-hmm. whatever. Like there's so many resources you can go to to help you process and figure out what it is you want to do. Right. Um, so that was huge for me. So you worked with a life coach for this? I didn't know, not not with a life coach. I've always had a therapist. Okay, got it, got it. Got it. And so working with her and kind of working just through a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff from I think finishing my job with in oil and gas and being burnt out that was a huge healing process for mm-hmm. me. So working through that with with counseling and figuring out okay what it is I can do next, but physically stopping that job freed my mind to other possibilities. And that's kind of when I was like, you know what? It's time to do something you love Mm -hmm. and get out there. It's funny how in moments of silence or stillness, almost like you get the most ideas or like get the biggest signs of like what to do next. Cause I feel like a lot of people think that in moments of chaos or when you're always having events to go to or always have classes to go to, that's when you're going to get your inspiration. Yeah. But I feel like it's almost the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I also love something about your story, Tiffany, how it seems like when you were discovering your sense of style, that correlates so directly to you finding your voice because it all leads up to you having your own 
company where you help people find their own sense of style, which at the same time is like finding their voice. I mean, that's so beautiful to help people feel so confident. Have you seen like that transition yet in people when you help them oh, figure absolutely. it out and that boost of confidence? Absolutely. I, um, and that's something that I still like, I, I'm in awe every time when I see, when I see the change in someone mm-hmm. and it even even today and coming here to talk like I, it was kind of an epiphany moment for me of wow my voice is in my style and 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 my image and yeah. what I what I like to wear and that has a voice in who I am being able to help other women and men figure out that through their through their style my belief is that you don't have to be on trend or Mm -hmm. fashion forward to be in style. Everyone has their own style. And in fact, I encourage you to have your own style because that's going to make you unique and original Mm -hmm. to yourself. I'm there to help you pinpoint what it is if you don't feel like you have a style, but then put those outfits together and, and, and make it a stylish look by how you're wearing it, the fit, the color, all of that. It's all. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Doing acrobatic moves over here. <laughs> our, our third guest on the show, Peachy. She's being a little crazy. But keep going. It's been so sweet to see um, the change in people. Mm-hmm. When I put an outfit from their closet together and they're like, I would have never put that together. But they love it. And they're wearing it all the time now. Yeah. Oh, that's so, amazing. I used exciting. to be obsessed with that show, What Not to Wear. And like, Me too. What you're oh describing. My goodness. The people yes. get so emotional at the end when they get it's their emotional. wardrobe. Your closet, your closet is so, it's such a vulnerable place. It is. You're opening up something that, you're opening up a place that you have so much insecurity in sometimes. Mm-hmm. And whether it's body image, weight, the way you look you hate all your clothes or you don't feel like it's in style or whatever. Like there's so much that plays into it in your confidence. That's what I'm passionate for to help people with is building up that confidence and taking down those insecurities. That's incredible. Well, TLC, if you're listening today, you need to recreate the show, but with Tiffany this time, (laughs) whoever the hosts were back in the day. Clinton and it was the guy and the girls. Clinton yeah, I know. I get it. Stacy, was it really? Yes, I'm, I think. I think I'm about to go rewatch them on YouTube. But yeah, I know we're coming to time, and I can't hold you any longer. But thank you so much for coming today. Oh, and I how just feel can, so honored. No, of course. And how can the community find you and support you in your business? Okay, so I have a website. Um, my my business is called Stilate, which is style you in Italian. I chose that because I've always loved Italian fashion and they're classic and timeless. And, um, I mean, you see an Italian dressed person walking down the street and you're like, I want to look like that. And they're wearing something very simple, (laughs) exactly something very simple. And it's just all in how they're wearing it. Um, and then they also have like rich textures Mm -hmm. and, and and quality so that's why I chose that and style you is um what I'm wanting to do I want to just help you find your style um but it's spelled s-t-i-l-e-t-e um and that's my website stilate.com um and then you can also follow me on instagram I'll post outfits or 
videos. I might be kind of silly at it, but no, you can I love yours today of like how to style the top superly. <laughs> They're good. Definitely follow um, her, guys. <laughs> and I'm also I'm not actually creating some clothes, um, and I'm calling them Stilete Crops. Um, where so I'm taking, exciting. I'm thrifting and I'm, and I'll find vintage or, but I'm basically taking men's button downs because it's an oversized fit mm-hmm. and they're, I, I look for quality. I look for a good fabric pattern. Um, but then I have three different styles of cropped tops through those <clears throat> that I'm selling. Are they up on the website now? They're, I don't have them on my website right now because it's kind of new. I'm okay. just posting it on Instagram, on social media. God, I want to see what they look like. It's so exciting. Well, I'll include all of that in the show notes so you guys can just click and follow Tiffany on her journey. But thank you again so much for being here today. Thank you, Ruby. Hopefully, we have you again soon. I've loved it. It's been so fun. Well, we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.